0: Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the field of psychology and mental health with host Gabe Howard and co-host Vincent M. Wales.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Psych Central Show podcast. My name is Gabe Howard and with me as always is Vincent M. Wales. Over a year ago we interviewed a great woman named Tanara Simpson and the name of the episode was What's It Like to Live with Schizophrenia? So. Obviously, we, we talked to her about living with schizophrenia. And then a few months back, while we were interviewing another patient influencer by the name of Rachel Starr, she spoke about her journey with schizophrenia. So, Vin and I sit around and talk, and we realize that this is one, a popular subject, and two, we've had two female perspectives about, well, what it means to live with schizophrenia, and we decided that wasn't fair. We needed to bring in a male perspective to go ahead and help even things out. So we found a a great young man named Patrick Marks, who has agreed to join us on the show today. Patrick, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, how are you?
1: Very good, thank you. We're so glad that you can be here. But before we jump into the the hard questions, we want to ask you an easy one. Patrick, just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, things that have nothing to do with living with schizophrenia.
2: Well, um... I like to start off with a a little icebreaker quote by C.S. Lewis that hardships often prepare one for an extraordinary destiny. That's how I kind of see myself, that I face some hardships, but in the end, it's going to all work out. I hope that I can share with others on this podcast that people with mental illness can still lead natural and healthy lives.
3: Okay. What kind of things do you do outside of uh, advocacy for schizophrenia?
2: I am a honors student and also I am a musician. I also work. I'm very dedicated to education and work and pursuing goals that I want to accomplish.
3: What field of education
1: are you in?
2: I graduated with a bachelor's degree in math, and now I'm looking to pursue a master's degree in computer science.
1: All right, let's jump into the the meat of the interview. I don't wanna just ask you what it's like to live with schizophrenia because that's, it's just a little too broad and you would just take over the show and then there'd be no need for Vince and I. So my, my specific question is, what was the first symptom that you noticed? You know, Before you were diagnosed, before all of this came to pass, what was the first thing that you noticed that ultimately led to your diagnosis? What made you seek medical attention?
2: Well, when I first started high school, around the time I was 15, I was a straight-A honor student, and I was working to get some of my creative writing published. And I was doing really good. I, got, I had a girlfriend at the time. I fell in love. And as soon as me and my girlfriend broke up and parted ways, I started to become a lot more withdrawn and depressed. Um, I stopped being able to communicate clearly. And my writing, the teacher also, like one time described it as word salad. It was like I closed myself off from the world. Comfortably numb, you would say, from all my paranoid thoughts and delusions.
1: And these were the first sort of things that you noticed, the, the, the paranoia, the the words ending up, you know, just sort of coming out in a mess. Did, did people notice this for you and tell you about it, or did you notice them yourself?
2: In retrospect, I knew something was wrong with me. I kept asking myself, like, what's going on? Why do I feel so differently than I used to? I felt some type of like unprecedented change had occurred, like reality had just become bizarre. My friends and my parents knew something was wrong, so they took me to see a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist that I see now that I've been seeing for my whole life, who diagnosed me with paranoid schizophrenia.
3: Patrick, you said that this started when you were 15. How old are you now?
2: Right now I'm 32.
3: Okay. From the time that you first went to that psychiatrist, Uh, How long did it take you to reach a point where you felt more like yourself again?
2: It took maybe about a year, and I started to feel relieved that it wasn't the end of the world bearing down on me, you know. It took me a couple years. I was still a little shaken from the whole traumatic experience. So when I graduated from high school, I didn't attend university right away. Instead, I kind of took it easy and I, I took a slower pace. So I'd say that maybe the repercussions of being diagnosed uh, with the illness lasted quite some time.
1: You you talk about trauma. This is something that a lot of folks who have been diagnosed with mental illness talk about the trauma of the diagnosis, the trauma of living with it. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? What was it? I mean, aside from being diagnosed, which can be traumatic, what what are some specific things that happened to you? Uh, as a result of of this diagnosis
2: well there was a time when i stopped taking the medication because i thought that i was going to join the u.s army i assumed that i could control my schizophrenia without medication and the symptoms returned for example i began to write like paranoid delusional delirious disturbing messages on like social media And it really, like, uh, ruined, like, my reputation with people that I knew from just various times in my life. Also, when I was wrought with, you know, like, some type of uh, psychosis, I would skip classes or, like, stay in bed instead of living and completing my day-to-day tasks and uh, normal functions.
3: So during this time when you had stopped taking your medication again, who was it who noticed the change? Was it you? Was it somebody else? Was it the people on social media? How'd that work?
2: So when I, when I start feeling the symptoms again, like my grades and my social life always suffered, but also my home life was impacted. Like I won't come out of my room and communicate with my family. And if I do, I sound loony or I sound incoherent. Sometimes I would have like delusions of grandeur. I was communicating with God or something or Often, like, uh, believing really strongly in superstitions. Um, Another thing that would happen to me is I would see, like, uh, messages and numbers and letters and believing that they had some type of hidden meaning. Um, My family and my friends all could see that there was something wrong, and so they all trying to help me. But someone with this condition, a lot of times, can't see the fact that they're acting erratic or their thinking process has changed.
1: What were some of the strategies that your family used to help you understand? Because one of the things that you said is that you didn't realize that you were acting erratic or that this was abnormal behavior. Yeah. It felt very real to you. But it also sounds like the people around you were able to reach you. I think our audience is going to be very interested in what bridged that gap, because this is not an uncommon story. The person who is sick not believing the people who are trying to help. How were they able to get through to you?
2: I think because I was so young and I knew something was different, like a whole new realization of everything just kind of, you know, surfaced on my mind. Everything was so much different. Everything was bizarre, you know. And so I knew something was wrong and my family definitely knew something was wrong. So I just listened to them. I kind of just like uh, let go of any type of aggression that I had and just followed what they said and listened to them. They told me that I need to take treatment, and so I did. And they insisted I still continue to do treatment. And I actually feel that I should continue to take treatment. So like I said, the time that I wanted to go to the Army kind of uh, changed my whole thoughts. that, yes, I do need treatment, you know, for the rest of my life.
0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com.
3: So I have a a two-part question for you, Patrick. One is, what specifically was it about your intention of joining the Army that caused you to think you didn't need the medication? And secondly, what would you say to anybody who's listening who is thinking of stopping their meds right now?
2: Well, the thing is, if you want to join the Army, you can't take antidepressants, you can't take antipsychotics, you can't take any type of neuroleptics, so... I thought that it would be okay for me to just stop taking the medicine and I would feel I would feel better and I could uh, handle all the negative connotations and consequences. I see. But apparently I couldn't, you know. And my family told me and the thing that was embarrassing though is that I was doing things that I that were irrational and kind of gave me like a people had a bad outtake on some of the things I was doing. So That's why, you know, I would would encourage people to just continue listening more towards what their family and their doctors are saying compared to just going out on their own. I know a lot of times if people do stop taking their medication, start acting, you know, are really strange and people trying to help them. But like, you know, it's hard for them to read between the lines that their actions are not right.
1: Yeah, I, I think that, that many people, mental illness or not, have trouble seeing themselves for, you know, who we really are. I don't think that's a mental illness thing, but but of course it is more challenging. Um, you know, I know that when yeah. I was really, really sick, people would say things to me, you know, like, you know, Gabe, you need to calm down. And I would yell back, what do you mean I am calm? And when I think about it now, I think, how did I not notice this? But I, I didn't. I had no ability to see it at all. The next question that I want to ask you is many of our audience members, they don't know what schizophrenia is at all. They know what they've heard on the news, they know what they've seen on television, they, they know a lot of the stereotypes, and you know we have certainly done our best to explain it. but you know I want them to hear it from you, a person who lives with schizophrenia. What's a good layperson's definition of what schizophrenia is? How would you explain it to somebody?
2: Well, there's different types of schizophrenia. I can't speak for all the different types of schizophrenia, but I have paranoid schizophrenia. That's what I was diagnosed with. And so what happens with me is that I always think negative thoughts and emotions. Like people are always trying to harm me or people are always saying bad things about me behind my back. And so it makes me become more like withdrawn and depressed. I have a lot of anxiety from, and paranoia, you know? And so Like what happened to me when I was really brought down with the illness is that I would get stuck in a way to where I would just sit there and just not say anything, not communicate, you know, kind of just hide myself away from my own feelings because it was it was too much for me. You know, it was like I was just sitting there comatose or having some type of psychosis because I couldn't accept the way that I felt.
3: You said that you felt that other people were saying negative things about you. Did you ever have audio hallucinations of that sort?
2: It's been a little while since I've had any type of real hallucinations like that. But I would have a lot of, maybe I w- you know, it's possible that there was auditory hallucinations of things that I would hear of people that wasn't actually true. Like, in my mind, I would think, oh, this person's saying something bad about me or thinking something bad about me right now, even though that there was no proof behind my reasoning, you know. What happened a lot for me was that I would believe in, like, superstitions and just, like, like I can't step on a crack or, you know, cause, or it'll break your mother's back. Like, it would become, like, really in-depth for me to where I would try and avoid cracks and stuff. Another thing was that, like, I'd see, like, you know, numbers and letters, and I would interpret it as having some, like, meaning, like, oh, two, four, six. That must mean, you know, the end of, the, the day is coming short or, like, just really strange things that right now, once I'm being treated, if I think back to the things that I was thinking it was just really, really didn't make any sense, you know?
1: Do you think that it's just the medication that helps you control these? Or is it the medication in conjunction with something else You talk about treatment a lot. Can you explain that a little further, exactly what you mean when you say you're treated now?
2: I'm thinking of the perfect example right now. When I stopped taking the medication for a little while, I was seriously, I was living in an apartment and I thought that people were breaking into my house and stealing things from me. And I also had the thought that there was someone living like in the air ducts. And they were starving, and I needed to feed them. So it's just like really incoherent, illogical things that I would think. And now when I'm treated, I think clearly. I don't think those things anymore. If I think back of something that I would have perceived as like a reality, I think, wow, that is just – it's just amazing difference being treated with the medications, like the new uh, antipsychotics that they've developed. Off the medication, I – seriously could not accomplish anything in my life like while I've been treated I've worked as a crew trainer at McDonald's a uh, bank teller at Bank of America an elementary school tutor for the No Child Left Behind program a systems analyst intern for Long Beach Transit a transportation company a bus company I've also been able to get a bachelor's degree in mathematics and I'm reaching out to a finally complete a master's degree in database management?
1: Having a college degree, working on a master's degree, especially having a college degree in mathematics, that's incredible for anybody. Uh, You know, the the majority of people living in our society have not graduated from college, and uh, especially as something as difficult as math, which is my personal nemesis. So, you know, even putting a schizophrenia diagnosis aside, these are incredible accomplishments. So it really does show that with treatment, you can live a relatively normal life. Is, is, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is that a fair statement?
2: That is a fair statement. That's, what, that's like the reason why I wanted to actually purvey that message to people is because I want to show other people that live with mental illness that they should continue their treatment and still be able to live natural and healthy lives.
3: Aside from medication, what else do you partake in to help you? Do you see a therapist? Do you do any uh, meditation or anything at all like that?
2: In college, I studied abnormal psychology, and I learned about a technique called cognitive behavioral therapy. See, it kind of reminds me of this. I've always been like a very introverted person, and you have to like face challenges to change your behavior in a way sort of to adapt to what's required of you. Cognitive behavioral therapy is a good thing that you can look at to where you can actually cognitively change your behavior to face situations in life that you might have challenges facing in reality.
1: Patrick, the next question I have is, if somebody was just diagnosed with schizophrenia and, and they called you up and the phone rang and they said, you know, hello, Patrick, my name is... You know, John Doe, and I'm 20 years old, and I was just diagnosed with schizophrenia. What advice do you have for me?
2: I would say that life is like an emotional roller coaster ride where there's going to be ups and downs and ups and downs, and you never really know what you're going to get. Like, you might think that what you want and what's going to happen is one thing. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be the complete opposite of what you think. Just be prepared to adjust to circumstances because life is not just a walk in the park especially dealing with someone who has just been diagnosed with mental illness and is so young
1: you're basically saying be nimble and roll with it
2: yeah be nimble be dexterous um, be adaptable because you never know what's going to happen and whatever you really think is going to happen that's not what's going to happen it's going to be something totally different you know
1: The next question is along the same lines. What would you say if you got a phone call from somebody who said that my 20-year-old son was just diagnosed with schizophrenia and we don't know anything and we don't know what to expect? What advice or or help could you provide to them?
2: When I was first diagnosed, my family didn't really know anything about mental illness as well. But what happened was, see, I had a really good environment to grow up in. My parents were really caring about me and really nurturing and really compassionate about helping me to overcome this illness. A lot of people, when they are diagnosed with mental illness, they don't have that same type of environment. And so what I would suggest a parent with a child who has just been diagnosed with some mental illness is just be prepared because that child's going to have like a, a much more difficult time pursuing goals and things like that. And the best thing you can do is provide like a really suitable and habitable environment for someone with an illness like this to, to actually succeed. You know,
3: I think that's a great Mm -hmm. point, Patrick. We often minimize just how important uh, a, a great home environment is. So thanks for saying that.
1: Patrick, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for being on the show. We very much enjoyed having you and taking the time with us today you're, you're, you're an inspiration and we appreciate you being so open about living with schizophrenia.
3: Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. And remember you can get one week of free, convenient, affordable, private online counseling anytime, anywhere by visiting betterhelp.com slash psych central. Thanks everyone. And we will see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to the psych central show. Please rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you found this podcast. We encourage you to share our show on social media and with friends and family. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show. Psychcentral.com is the internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. Psych Central is overseen by Dr. John Grohol, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is an award-winning writer and speaker